Okay, welcome back to the Multipod. This is episode 59 of our show, and we always appreciate you taking the time to spend with us here with the host from the Multipod. My name is Ted. I'm uh, your pretty regular host, and I'm joined by a very special guest today, uh, Mary, who's coming to us live, a fellow Canadian, but from the opposite side of the country for me. She's in British Columbia in uh, Canada. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Great. It's great. Uh, it's going to be great to get to know you and chat a bit about some of your uh, interests, many interests, and uh, what brought you to the Putty Tribe, of course. It's, it's a big part of uh, the fun part of doing this show is just getting to know members of the group and uh, learning some of their backstory and, and what makes them tick. So that's, that's what we're here for and try to give a nice kind of change of pace. You know, the world is in pretty rough shape these days and uh, we, uh, we're certainly very conscious of that. It's as you follow the news and, and everything that's happening. And, um, you know, we, it's, I like to think, I like to approach it trying to find a balance between, you know, certainly respecting and taking things very seriously, but we still need to find some joy and some uh, comfort in, in our lives, whatever we're doing in our situation. So if we can help you do a little bit of that, at least with this show, and of course, just being part of the Putty Tribe in general, it's such a supportive community. So that's what we're all here for. So uh, that's, that's what brings us here today. So first question for you, Mary, do you say Gabriola or Gabriola? I say Gabriola. <laughs> I think most people say Gabriola because we okay. often shorten it to Gabe. And I've okay. never heard it shortened to Gab. So um, yeah, so I say Gabriola. <laughs> so Gabriola is an island off the coast of Vancouver Island, um, kind of in the, a bit more of the southern part of, of I guess, Van, off Vancouver Island. You do need to take another ferry to get to Gabriola, um, but it's part of kind of a chain. There's a few chains of islands. There's what they call the Southern Gulf Islands. Gabriola is kind of in the northern part of that. And then there's the Northern Gulf Islands, all of which generally are connected by a ferry service of some kind. And then there's a lot more, of course, very, very remote islands, which may be very sparsely habit, inhabited all around the coast of Vancouver Island. So that's where Mary's at. And we do have, or at least I can relate, we have a bit of a connection there. I lived in Nanaimo for a couple months or so, which is kind of the biggest city on Vancouver Island. A lot of people will take the ferry from there to Gabriola. And I have family. Uh, my sister lives out of Vancouver Island, et cetera. So uh, I, I, I'm very familiar with it, but unfortunately, I never did make it to Gabriola. Not yet. So it's on my, I know. <laughs> I should have made the effort when I was in Nanaimo. I could have just jumped on the ferry for the day. <laughs> it's a little closer than it is for you now. But. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, of course, now I'm in eastern Canada. But, um, yeah, it's always great to connect with people from, from all around the world and, and all around our country, Canada, of course, because, uh, you know, you're three hours behind me and Canada has, uh, what, I guess, four and a half time zones. <laughs> it's a pretty big country. Yeah. So, okay. so um, how long have you been on Gabriola? Um, we've, I've been here full time since 2005, but we, I first, my husband and I first came to the island in, in the late, in the nineties. Um, mm. we built a house in the mid nineties and then ended up moving back to Vancouver for a few years but, and then yeah. came back. Here. So, yeah, and you were telling me you spend a bit of time in Ottawa too, which is essentially yeah. where I live. Yeah. Yeah. Way, way long time ago. We moved around a fair bit when we were younger. We lived in, in Ottawa. We lived in, um, Toronto later, uh, lived mm -hmm. in France for a year where he was, where he was teaching English and I was hanging out, uh, lived in South Korea for a couple of years where we were both teaching. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we've popped around a bit, but this is home for sure. 
Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place to settle. Is it one of the kind of classic artistic uh, communities that you often find in the islands out there? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, it's, it builds itself as the Isle of the Arts, which was, okay. I think, large, largely, a, you know, kind of a creation of the, of the local arts council. But there really are a lot of artists and mm-hmm. a lot of musicians and a lot of there's a, a very active local theater group. Not now, of course, we're all staying home pretty much, but mm. um, there's typically, you know, two or three performance things going on every week and endless mm. gallery shows and things like that. Yeah. Now, what's the population of Gabriola? At least permanent uh, full population. Time, around 4,000 or so. Okay. Typically, That's it doubles probably. in the summer, more or less, but yeah. probably won't happen this summer. And what brought you there in the first place? Well, um, real love for the Gulf Islands. The islands in the Salish Sea are, are so beautiful. Mm. Um, my partner, Robbie, had spent a lot of time on Hornby, which is one of the northern Gulf Islands, when he was yeah. young because his sister lived there. And um, when we moved out west from Toronto, we had a dream of, we lived in Vancouver, but we did have a dream of living on a Gulf Island. Mm. It, was, it ended up being Gabriola, mostly for, just for family reasons, really, because one of his sisters had bought property here. And then his parents moved here. And, you know, yourself with the ferries, if you're on a different island, you can't take a ferry from Island A to Island B. You have to take a ferry from Island A to Vancouver Island and then drive. That's true. We thought, you know, we're never going to see these people, especially (laughs) his parents, if we don't live on the same island, right? Yeah. So Gabriola was the draw for that reason. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, it's a beautiful place. So now you've been in the Putty Tribe, I think, for uh, coming up on three years. Yeah, I, I was, see, I was away for a while and, and now I'm back. Okay, I see. What brought you to the Putty Tribe then? And and I guess the deeper question, which we usually talk ask people, is when did you first start, I guess, recognizing yourself as a multi-potentialite, even if you didn't know that term, but that kind of you know philosophy? Definitely didn't know that term. But to back when, it, when during my academic years, um, I, you know, I was working with lots and lots of people who, who really wanted to finish their PhD and, and get tenure and things like that, right? Even, I mean, even in the undergraduate level, I started off in history. There was people who were real gung-ho about that. <laughs> and I just was horrified by the idea of tenure. The idea of, of like a job that you were supposed to want to do for the rest of your life was just yeah. re- repellent to me, honestly. I used to tell people that I thought that my idea of hell would be a place where you worked, where you had your name on a parking spot. And you're like, ah, no, I don't want that. <laughs> so I kind of knew that I wasn't, I wasn't going to be the kind of person who did one thing and just did that forever. Um, so I knew that. Um, I read Refuse to Choose, the, the Julia Scher. I can't, sorry, I think I've got the name wrong. She just died mm-hmm. recently. Um, but I read her book a number of years ago and, and thought, yeah, that's me. That's the kind of, that's the kind of person that I am. And then I saw, I saw the um, Putty Tribe book in, where was I? I was in an airport and I picked it up in the airport. I was doing some business really? and read it on the plane and thought, yeah, this is great. And so I looked online and, and uh, found the Putty, Putty Tribe and here I am. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So are, do you get involved in any particular ongoing events or huddles or things like that? I haven't been involved in the huddles all that much. Up until last October, so really like six months or so ago, um, I had 
my, my mom lived with us and required a great deal of care. She's now in a nursing home and doing, doing quite well. But um, I was really tapped out and not, not feeling able to sort of commit to any kind of social thing. Like when I had free time, I really wanted to just have it on my own, yeah. you know, and just sitting True. down. <laughs> but um, I recently participated in the Make Art um, Saturday morning or Sunday morning huddle and uh, really enjoyed that. Yeah, really fun, and I and I was I wasn't able to go to um, as many Yeshime huddles, but I did uh, did some of them too, and I'm really liking them now. You know that sense of seeing people from all over the world and getting a sense yeah. of yeah, yeah, it's neat, and it's funny because uh, we've kind of noticed, I guess, over the last couple of months, as you see, you know, friends and family and coworkers starting to use programs like Zoom and getting used to the whole yeah. online meeting and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and if you're in the party tribe or a similar community, you know, you've been doing that for years. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, yeah, it's uh, I do feel that level of, com- I had, I noticed I had that level of comfort, I guess, already uh, in using something like zoom and just, you know, some of the kind of nuances, I guess, of chatting with people over the internet and you, you kind of pause a bit and you wait for the connection to stabilize and all those little kind of tricky yeah. things that you get used to. Right. And it's all part of the, the fun of, of bringing people together. You know, we're so lucky on this show. I've chatted with people from India and Australia and uh, all around the world and Europe, of course, and it's great. Um, yeah, but I really wanted to uh, ask you about some more about the Yes, You May. That was kind of what drew me to, to talking with you now at this point in time, because uh, I knew you really kind of embraced it over this past month. So it's, it's basically wrapped up. Now, I mean, we're into June as we're recording and, and publishing this episode. But the idea was that you take a month of the month of May, and it's a play on words, of course, yes, you may, to choose a particular project, something you had in mind, maybe even putting off for a while, or trying to justify. You know, we again, we talk a lot on this show about the notion of permission and that, you know, when do you allow yourself, essentially, you have to give yourself permission to do something and embrace that concept. And this was a great opportunity for people to do that, to make the commitment for basically four weeks that they're going to work on something, learn something or whatever it is, and see how it goes. So what did you choose to do and how did it go for you? Well, I chose this year the same thing I chose last year, um, which is to learn to play the Bowerin. Last year, my attempt to learn to play the Bowerin was thwarted by my complete inability to find my Bowerin, which was lost in the storage room until the end of May. Okay. So this year, I actually knew where it was right from the beginning, and I signed up and took some lessons with the Online Academy of Irish Music and worked on practicing it. I just, I just worked on practicing 10 minutes a day, which I wasn't always successful at. But it was, it was a great time for me to say, okay, I'm going to learn to play my Bowerin in May. I started saying this in January, and it helped me let go of the guilt of not playing it before that. <laughs> But also, uh, it just gave me a targeted time, and I did make progress. I'm not a. I didn't bring my Bowerin along to the podcast because I thought the sound of somebody <laughs> thumping on a drum in the distance wasn't really all that ha- helpful. But um, yeah. did enjoy it, and um, yeah, and um, I'm already thinking about hmm, what am I going to try next? Month? Okay, interesting. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with a, a Bowerin, it's a it's one of those tricky Gaelic words that it sounds different than it's spelled. Windy. I think it's it's spelled B O D H R A N. R A N. Yeah, that's R-A-N. right. It's an Irish it's an Irish frame drum basically. Right. It's a round <clears throat> it's a round drum. drum. You you hold it on your knee, you put your hand in the back, and you oh, hit yeah. it with a small stick. 
Yeah, you kind of flick your wrist back and forth generally, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, we had one in, in our house when I was growing up, and it usually hang on the wall. It was, it was very nice decoration, but yeah, uh, exactly. we played it sometimes. But yeah, it's a classic uh, part of Irish Gaelic music, so you, you'd recognize yeah. it, I'm sure, everyone listening, if, uh, if you saw it in a video, etc. Um, what attracted you to, to taking it up in the first place? Really like Irish music. Um, okay. I, uh, my partner plays the tin whistle and um, had, we only spent one, we had a couple of weeks in Ireland at one point, but uh, hmm. I just really love the music. Lifelong fan of the Chieftains and, and various other, you know, there's so many Irish groups, current and yeah. past, that I've, that I've liked. And I just love the sound of it. Are you a musician in general? Do you play other instruments too? Yeah. Yeah, I play, a t- I play several other instruments. Um, I play the, I've played the piano always, um, and actually when I started university way back when, I started in music education as a piano major, okay. and uh, that didn't last long. Um, and I play, the other thing that I, that I play mostly is the recorder. My, we play, um, Robbie and I play, like, you know, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, recorders, the um, Baroque style instruments, and typically meet with a couple of groups of friends a couple of times a week to play quintets and, and whatnot. So we're, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of early music as well as, as well as Irish music. And I mean, yeah. I've played other things like everybody has, you know, the fast away on the guitar and things. And I have a dulcimer, which I haven't, I'm just getting going with the dulcimer. And oh. uh, after that, the plan is the fiddle, but that's, oh, yeah. that's a little more ambitious. Is a dulcimer a really, is it physically a big instrument? I can kind of picture it, but is it, is it a small compact thing? It's small. Or is it, yeah. It basically, it's, you, it's another of these things that you play it. Most people play it holding it on their lap. It's okay. probably two feet long or, or thereabouts. Um, and it's, it's a kind of an hourglass shape, a little bit mm. of an elongated hourglass. And it has four strings. You play it, typically it's played with a pick. You can use a feather, which is really kind of cool. Um, and it's um, it's an instrument that developed in the Appalachian region of the United States. So it's oh, really? got that. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's got that high mountain kind of kind of sound. I'm a big fan of traditional music. And that's, yeah. The, that's, it's not really it's not so much part of bluegrass um, hmm. because um, it's not very loud. But uh, okay. there's. Yeah, it's, it's often used by people singing for dancing. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, cool. Well, it's neat. It's, we've uh, been picking up more in the music theme here in the in the podcast the last couple episodes. We had Kylie on there last time, and she's taking on the music group in the uh, in the Putty Tribe. Oh, cool. uh, it sounds like we're starting to get some more regular things together. People maybe hanging out and jamming online, yeah. and uh, you know, karaoke and stuff like that. So. So that's exciting and encouraging, and I'm, I'm sure she's open to all kinds of different styles of music too, so we'll keep that in mind. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do you feel the Yes You May experience uh, was what you expected or was hoping for? Yes. For me, it was great because it was a little bit of a nudge to yeah. do something that I've been meaning to do and haven't done, but it was really very much a, that I don't do and now I do do a little bit, so that was good. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, something that I wanted to incorporate into my life. And well, I'm on the way to doing that. I think another way, I, I'm thinking for next year, I might just try something, just some, I, and I don't know what yet, but, you know, something like sculpture or something that I just don't do at all, that I don't know if I would 
you know, the, the, something sort of like, oh, that looks kind of neat, that I might try and not something that I'm hoping to do on a regular basis, but just something yeah. that I'd like to try for a little while. Because I think that's another another use for the for that model of, you know, like, let's do something for a month. And, you know, you're, if you say, I'm going to try it for a month and see if I like it. Then if you don't like it, you can say, yeah, I tried it. Not, not for me. I'll cross that off the list. Sure. That, and the whole that idea is that you thing. tried it well. You gave it a good, you know, chunk of time. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's easy to think, oh, I'm going to try this and then think, oh, I'm not good at that. Well, no, you know, no, you're not good at it because nobody's good at stuff when they first start, right? you got to yeah. give it a little bit of a sincere shot. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> we were chatting a bit before we started recording about how you organize your time. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess for one thing with the SUMA, uh, part of the idea was that you, you should kind of set aside a specific time or, you know, schedule essentially what you're planning on working on. And then I guess you kind of took that a step further. You've got like a a chart of blocks of time kind of thing where you work on stuff. What's Mm -hmm. that like? Um, It works really well for me. I'll hold it up so that Ted can see it. Realize that through the magic of podcasting, nobody else can. (laughs) It's Um, kind of like a spreadsheet in a way. Yeah, it's it's like it's like it's like a spreadsheet. I actually use a table in Word to do it. Okay. But essentially, what I do is. I say, okay, there are certain times of day when I want to work on certain kinds of things, right? I have a certain amount of paid work that happens in my office. Um, We're always renovating our house. I've got a garden that um, needs lots and lots and lots of time. It Mm. doesn't always get. So I have enough things going on that it's easy for me to just kind of mill around and not get anything done, which is Mm. not a happy feeling. So what I've done is I've gone through I've thought about my life and I've designated periods of time that I'm doing a particular kind of work. Like I look at my calendar for Monday and I see that for two to, from two to five, I'm working in my office, right? Now, okay. I know on Monday I'm going to do some work on my website. I'm going to do some work on a writing project that I'm doing, like a contract project that I'm doing. Hmm. And I'll probably do some check-in on a class that I'm teaching. So I know that I'm going to be doing that on Monday afternoon. But I'm not sure how much time I'll be doing on which thing. And that doesn't matter. I'll, I, I have my priorities that I think about in the morning, right? And at another time of the day, I've got a couple of hours blocked in for garden. And in the garden, I'll, you know, I've got some ideas about what I'll do. But I don't, I, 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 I set up this because I used to always just have to-do lists, right? I had these huge long to-do lists. And they were really discouraging because I didn't, you know, I mean, I would make lists of things that, like, it would take a week to get them done, right? Mm. And then it didn't matter what big thing I got across off my list. I felt discouraged, and I didn't enjoy that feeling. Mm. So what I do now is I have a list, either a mental list or a written-down list of all the stuff I should be doing in the garden. And at the beginning of the week, I look at it and think, okay, I'm going to get these two or three things done this week. Mm. I add them into my into my calendar book if I if I want to do them at a particular time or you know whatever but mostly I just get to the block where it says garden and think okay well what's the highest priority now and I'll go work on that and then when I'm out of time I'm out of time it doesn't matter if the project's done I just stop and move yeah. on because I'm coming back tomorrow right okay yeah that's what I was wondering is like how strict are you with those blocks of time if it's if it ends at two o'clock do you drop everything and move on to the next thing or do you want to finish up that project I mostly move on to the next thing um, because there's always, 
you know, I mean, like if I'm in the middle of planting a row of beans or something, I'm not going to stop and sure. stop halfway through, right? Within reason. But in general, there's always more to do. And I need to trust myself to stop because mm. then I, I trust myself to get back to it, right? So it actually yep. has a lot to do with that. That's a powerful mentality, I find, you know, is, is believing and being confident in yourself and your abilities to essentially multitask and kind of switch from something to something else, but knowing you're going to complete stuff as well. That's what so yeah. many of us struggle with is, you know, you, you start things, but you never finish it and you go back and forth and it seems you've come up with a good approach to multitasking. In a way, I mean, in a way, it's sort of the, the opposite of multitasking in that for that period of time, I'm really focused on that thing. Mm. I have been very distractible at times. And I, like I've, since 2005, I've worked at home like 99% of the time. I had a part-time job where I was required to go in to work um, one day every two weeks or something for a while. But I yeah. mostly I've worked at home as a consultant. And that's, you know, and it's great, right? It gives you all this freedom and flexibility. But you really have to learn to work when you're working. Because otherwise... You know, mm-hmm. you're, you start in, you settle into it, and then beep, the laundry beeps, and then the dog wants this. <laughs> and, you know, man, oh, man, it can be really hard. It can be, it's not that it's hard to get things done. I've always gotten yeah. things done. But it's exhausting, right? It's like you're mm. pushing away all these other things that you think, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And um, so for me, having a block that says, no, you should be doing this now. It's, this is what you're doing. And mm. there's time for those other things. That's what's really uh, been very freeing. That's nice. Yeah, it gives you the ability to really focus and uh, complete things. Yeah, or hmm. focus and move them forward. You know, because sure. I mean, like a garden. I don't know if you're a gardener. They're never complete, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 always out there waiting. Yeah, and you have, um, I guess, particular interest in, in permaculture. Um, yes. I tell us, I mean, some people I'm sure listening know lots about and know exactly what permaculture is. I have some sense, but give us a little bit of overview of how you would tackle a typical permaculture type project. Well, it's interesting, right? A lot of what you're doing with a permaculture style garden is watching to see what happens. So, you know, you want to make sure that you have plants that are growing in harmony and can continue to grow in harmony. And that will provide you with a yield of some sort. So, for instance, in that part of my garden right now, I have several fruit trees. And each fruit tree is surrounded with a guild. And each guild contains things like, hmm, I've got some perennial onions and things okay. like chives and, and um, sorrel and things like that. So those things are there. And in an ideal world, those things would become so strong and vigorous that they would gradually crowd out anything that you didn't want growing there, right? Because you select them based on, I mean, you've got to like them if you're going to eat them, but also um, that they, you know, they do different things for the soil. Like yarrow, for example, it's just, it's just pretty. It's just there being pretty, but it also brings up minerals from underneath and things like that. So um, everything has a purpose. And then there's, you know, there's the inevitability of some weed or other starts in. Mm. And so right now my goal is I'm working my way around the garden, working on getting rid of some of those things. And one of the things about, I'm such a long-winded human, um, one of the things about <laughs> permaculture is that you don't want to disturb the layers of the soil as much as you can mm. avoid it, 
right? You want to let that that soil microbial layer, fungal layer, do its thing. So okay. try not to pull stuff out. So I do a lot of cutting weeds off at the roots, right? Like right. Just cutting them, cutting them off and letting them die, because then the roots will die in the soil and, and further enrich the soil instead of disrupting the soil layer. Yeah. So that's the theory, um, and it it's the practice. And then sometimes I get frustrated with the ink. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of trial and error. Absolutely. And yeah. it would depend, again, on your soil and the conditions and the temperature and climate and all that stuff. Exactly, yeah. So I guess, like, even if you read in a book, et cetera, about the general principles of permaculture, you really have to figure out how it's going to apply to your garden, your, where you are. Yeah, you really have to watch, and, and you have to... Huh. You know, it's it's very it's very interesting because you do see, you know, differences in in how cold it gets, even just over a very small distance. You know, depending on if there's a bowl or a shelter of some sort. Or, yeah, yeah. It's really very interesting. How long have you been doing that? Um, started up about been interested in it for a while, but really started the area about four years ago. That we've been I've been working okay. in the garden for about four years. Now, the west coast of British Columbia is a very temperate place, so can you grow stuff year-round? Do you get much snow there at all? We get we typically get some snow every winter, and we'll get, we might get a little bit of uh, time where it goes down to, like a really cold day would be minus 15, like so crazy yeah, cold. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, and but that, <laughs> like, that's typically just a little dip, right? Yeah. Um, where the same climate zone basically as northern california so yeah okay. we can we can grow things year round things like um kale and chard and cabbage and mm. things like that can can be outside in the garden you don't have to harvest them you can just leave them out in the garden all year which is fabulous but like things don't grow um between say november and march because there's not enough light but they just oh, sit yeah. there they don't die either right they're just sort of standing right. there waiting yeah that's true and do you get a lot of rain there too Typically, yeah. Um, we've yeah. had, you know, with with climate change, we've had more times of cold weather. And according to my, um, I have hmm. a, a gardening guru that I follow, very knowledgeable. She says we're getting about the same amount of rain, but where we used to get, like it would start raining in November and kind of rain till the end of January. Hmm. I don't know if you remember, I don't know what time of year you were out here, but uh, yeah, it's usually pretty gray and drizzly. But yeah. Um, now we're getting more um, more big storms where a lot of rain falls and hmm. fewer days of fewer rainy days, which is nice on some levels, right? But it means you really have to work on water catchment and saving yeah. what you get and all that. That's a good point too. Yeah, it's challenging. Hmm. Now, a somewhat similar theme. I'm very curious about your um, catamaran project. I guess mm. it's your partner who is building. I see it's something about a 40-foot ocean-going catamaran. It's is that true. still happening? Oh, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> What's your plans yeah. for that? Um, well, finishing it first. It's well underway. We've got both halls. And our first plan is to launch it here and go sailing in the Salish Sea and yep. see what that's like. Because, you know, people come from all over the world to go sailing here. It's a, it's a beautiful place to go sailing. Yeah. If we never sail anywhere else, it's not a failure. It's just what we decided to do. Sure. Uh, the boat itself is a James Warren design, the Narai Mark IV. And lots of people have sailed around the world in these boats and sailed, you know, across big oceans. And so the, yeah. there's, no, there's no real limitation imposed by the boat. So we don't really know. 
what we're going to do. But we for sure want to spend a lot of time on our boat. Have you done a lot of that kind of long distance uh, serious sailing? Nope. Brand new. All right. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Nice. That's how we do it. <laughs> Everybody's got to do it for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, I guess you're, as I say, you're in the right place uh, to do it. It's uh, now, if, you, if people listening, if you're wondering where the Salish Sea is, I don't know if they've always updated the maps of the recent years because it was what's generally known as the Strait of Georgia, and I think they still use that to some extent. But essentially, yeah. every the all, all the water between Vancouver Island and the mainland. Mm-hmm. And down, of yeah, that's true. Yeah, and for down, the south, down around, towards Seattle and Puget Sound, and yep, and, yeah. So it's a big kind of uh, mix of bays and inlets and sounds and straits and all the rest. And they said, well, we should give it one, one solid name so we can refer to the whole thing. I remember I was there about it was about ten years ago when they were talking about that. Yeah, and, and it's uh, a name that acknowledges the First Nations ownership. Yeah, of, you know, oh, the yeah. Indigenous people mm-hmm. like to be here, right? Say, yeah, yeah, it's a really nice name. Well, anything else in your mind you want to? No, um, I'm, I'm really, I'm enjoying the podcast and really enjoying the opportunity to get to know people all over the place. And yeah. uh, one of the things I really like is the age range that I see represented. You know, I yeah. think I, I know I, I skew old on the, in the putty crowd. I think because I'm 62, mm. and uh, so I've been, you know doing so many different things for so many different years that I really have a lot of interest now, right? Yeah. It doesn't get less. And I love seeing new members in their twenties and, and, you know, young folks who are, who are thinking, wow, like, you know, everybody else is settling down to doing one thing. And, uh, and it's okay. Right. This is a great, this is a great way to have a life. Yeah, it really is. And if anything, I think uh, Emily Wapnick has talked a lot about this, but just perhaps in this day and age with, you know, the changing nature of work and careers, it kind of goes in tandem with people who aren't really looking for that in the first place and want to embrace a different approach to life. And I mean, as long as you can make a living, of course, and put a roof on your head, but to face that challenge of making it work, and having the variety and the challenges in your life to do think different things. It's like, I mean, you summed it up perfectly there. The whole idea of, you know, if you were, if you, you work really hard when you're in your twenties and you get your degree and, and you're supposed to pursue this, this one path and you're going to do that for the next, whatever, 40 years or something. It's like, it, <laughs> it drives us crazy. But I mean, yeah. it's, I find, I, I mean, I'm at the point in my life, I'll always be a multi-potentialite for sure. And I don't, really want to commit to any one thing but i certainly do appreciate stability you know like with everything happening a pandemic and stuff i again people listening to to this show will know i was planning on on quitting my job and starting a a business and trying to work out some freelance and uh, work and employment and all the rest uh, this year but you know this is obviously particular extreme circumstances it was kind of hard to walk away from a, a stable job with everything going on so i had to respect that but, uh, you know, it's still the notion of sticking with the same thing for years. It's, uh, it's quite a turnoff, but I do appreciate some stability, too. It's really about trying to find that sweet spot. Uh, yeah. You were a, a teacher, I think. Is that right? You're an educator well, most of your life? not exactly an educator. Um, my, my academic background is in adult education and curriculum okay. design. And that worked really, really well for me. Um, because as a designer, I've worked with everybody from nurses to firefighters to pipe fitters to, you know, and I've done a lot of technical writing too over the years. And having that as my 
my basic job has been great, right? Because it's allowed me to become immersed in, in a whole bunch of different fields without really committing to them. <laughs> and yet I bring that stability and expertise to it, right? And, you know, yeah. cause I, I mean, I've studied education for a long time, got the degrees and stuff. That makes me think as we wrap up here our conversation, but would you have any advice for the younger generation, let's say, of multipotentialites and how they can, I mean, everyone's going to feel it out for themselves, but essentially it's some kind of guiding uh, principles maybe for how to best shape your life and trying to find that balance of making a living, but also staying true to your, your nature and your interests. Do you have some career advice or tips? Well, I don't think I exactly have career advice, but I would say <laughs> for anyone who's, who's interested in education, you know, to me, it's a natural fit for multipods, partly, you know, because we're so interested in learning new things, right? Yeah. So that's what drew me to education was I was interested in how everybody learns new things. And there's a lot of potential to do a lot of different things in that field. So you don't need mm-hmm. to feel like, oh, my God, I'm trapped doing this. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm thinking more and more about um, maybe we'll do that on this show is, is kind of profiling broader maybe skill sets or even industries. Yeah, like yeah. one thing, yeah, like I, I've kind of stumbled into working in tourism, travel and tourism for most of my working life the last 15 years or so. And one of the big reasons, which I kind of knew in the beginning, long before I knew what a multi-potentialite was, but the fact that there's so much variety. You can be a tour guide. Yeah. You could work at like a hotel or something if you want. You could you know, work for the tourism bureau. The, uh, there's all kinds of different options within the broader range of travel and tourism. You could do writing. You could do video. You could do all kinds of things. So that's just travel. Yeah. You know, Writing itself is another example. If you like to write, you can write about all kinds of things, teaching and education, of course. And on and on, yeah. uh, music even, all kinds of things. So, yeah, but it's an interesting uh, idea to profile some of those opportunities, I guess, for people if they're trying to figure out how do I, how do I make a living but still, you know, stay true to my interests and find all the, the variety that I need in life. Mm-hmm. It's like, and maybe know. sort of flipping it around a little bit, how do people who have a lot of different interests work in particular industries, right? Because I yeah. think there's often more potential to do different things than we see if we're looking from the outside. You know, mm-hmm. be a teacher looks like one thing, but it's really not once you get into it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, this has been great. It's been really, really nice to get to know you. You've been on our list uh, for a while to chat with, and uh, the timing was great. I'm really glad you enjoyed the Yes, You May and that it worked out for you and given some good uh, inspiration, I, I think, to our listeners. They can, they can reach out to you. So I wanted to ask you this. Is there... Is there any place besides the Putty Tribe where people can follow you and some of the things that you do? You have a website or social media, anything like that? I'm really hoping that I will have a website soon. And when I do, I will let the tribe know. But <laughs> I'm, I'm locked in a little bit of an argument with Squarespace about the way something's working. So soon, okay. soon. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll keep our eyes out for that. And uh, Mary, thanks very much for joining us on the Multipod. Thank you very much, Ted. Cheers. Thanks again to Mary for the great conversation, getting to know all about you and your many interests. I would say you're a model multipotentialite with a wonderful life lived, but of course, we all hope many, many more years to come. Now, on that note, there's a number of uh, putty people of the week who uh, I've been building up to profile here at the end of the show. 
So I'll uh, share a few people with you, a couple names of whom will probably be familiar to you. We'll start with Mercedes, Mercedes Carcano, who is in Chicago. She has previously lived in Venezuela, Argentina, Mexico, Canada, England, Paris, and in the United States, Alabama, Oregon, Indiana, and uh, now her current home in Chicago, Illinois. She is currently into bringing Putty Peep together around writing, eating frogs, and friendship. Eating frogs. Well, I was trying to find the meaning behind that, and some of you listening might know more than I do, but uh, it's, uh, I'm sure there's a story behind that one. Some of Mercedes' many interests include ancient wisdom, shamanism, druid Celtic, alchemy, magic, Chinese medicine, mythology, archetypes, labyrinths and jigsaw puzzles, organizing and harmonizing things, design thinking, Jung, like Carl Jung, Hillman, philosophy, music, writing, blogging, poetry, sculptures, and painting. And I'm sure there's many more. And as I'm saying all this and, and glancing at her profile, I'm realizing I've talked to Mercedes a, a couple times, but we haven't had her on this show. It's about time. So Mercedes, stay tuned. We're going to be sending you a message and uh, get to hear some of your fascinating story, backstory, in your own words. So I hope I hope you'll be interested in coming on the show, of course, and doing so. But uh, Mercedes, uh, let's see, she's been in the Putty Tribe now for a couple of years, just over a couple of years, and very, very active. As I say, many of you will probably know her and have chatted with her. And uh, thanks to, of course, her, her long commitment and many activities, she's profiled as one of our Putty Peeps of the Week. Second, we have someone who was actually the previous guest on this show, and I think I was aware of that at the time, just as we were putting episode 58 together with Kylie, and suddenly I realized, oh, she's uh, the Putty Peep of the Week, total coincidence, and I thought, maybe I'll I'll save it from a bit of an overdose of Kylie and put it all, uh, a few people together as we're doing right now. So that's cool, because now you can kind of revisit some of her story, her profile, and find out a bit more about her as well. So Kylie Pontius just joined Potty Tribe again at the end of March, but uh, as you've heard, she is taking on the music group here in the in the tribe. And music, of course, is her, her greatest passion, but like all of us, she's got many other varied interests. Uh, she spends her time also designing WordPress websites, uh, teaching clients to help maintain and update them, Lots of songwriting, other writing, producing her new podcast, which we talked about on the episode there as well. And some of her ambitions include writing a memoir and building a dating business. Kylie has previously lived in Tennessee, Colorado, and Texas. And uh, nowadays she comes to us from Florida, but uh, she was thinking of perhaps finding a different place to put down some roots. So we'll stay tuned and see where her and her husband end up. Oh, plus she has a golden retriever puppy, which keeps her very busy. Third on our list, well, you've possibly been waiting for this one. We're kind of going to get into a weird third-person type experience. I don't know, this might get a little awkward, but uh, the third-party peep of the week is me. (laughs) So Joel sent me the message. Anyone who's been the Putty Peep of the Week, I'm pretty sure he does this. He'll send you an email or a message, you know, to say congratulations. Uh, it's, it's your turn this week. And it's nice. It's a nice little personal thing to give you some recognition, along with the little profile course that goes on the site. So I kind of knew it was, it was coming. And uh, right away, he's like, well, I wonder what you're going to say about yourself. <laughs> 
Well, I should uh, follow the script here, shouldn't I? So I am currently into producing this podcast, of course, uh, Chasing After Two Young Kids. And I'm not sure what prompted this, but also playing music. I may have brought this up at some point, but I appreciate it because, yes, I am trying to play a little more music these days and, and making the time for it. That's always a challenge, really, but trying to find the time and make it a priority. Because I am a musician, I've been playing piano since I was five years old. I started taking lessons, so it's been a major, major part of my life. Uh, the last few years, I've finally picked up the guitar and the bass, which are a couple long-term dreams of mine and goals. So I've been able to pick that up fairly well. And, a little, and I love to play the drums when I have the chance. But, um, yeah, I love to play kind of rock and pop, jazz rock, a bit of maybe folk a bit, singer-songwriter type stuff. And uh, it's always kind of there, you know. I think any of us who have those kinds of passions combined with skills, you know, just something that for whatever reason you've done for years, it's always kind of there in the back of your mind that, well... Maybe I can, if you haven't, I guess that's the point, if you have never really turned it into something to, in my case, my dream is to write and record an album. And I know, I recognize more and more these days, like, if I'm going to do that, I better get on it because uh, time's flying by. So it's always kind of there, right, in the back of your mind that it's something you, you're capable of doing. And sometimes it just takes a push to, to get on with it. So I'm I'm thinking much more of making that push in the near future, so stay tuned, I guess. Uh, places I've lived, I've, I grew up in Peterborough, in Ontario, in Canada here, but this could take a while because I've lived all around Canada and different provinces in Quebec and Alberta and British Columbia. I spent some time in England. I lived in Bournemouth in the south coast in England for a few months way back in 2003. I took a year off university. I uh, traveled around the world uh, about 10 years ago with my wife most of that time. And I lived in Australia, in Perth, for a few months. We ended up living together in South Island, New Zealand, for a couple months or so. And when we got back from that, I moved with her to Drummondville, Quebec, which is near near where she was from and grew up. And now we live in Gatineau, just across the river from Ottawa. Now, one of the benefits of doing a show like this is that for us co-hosts, you know, our personal stories it kind of trickle out in bits and pieces over time as we have our wonderful conversations with their guests. And of course, we interject a little bit of our own experiences and background, etc. So a lot of this you've likely heard if you've listened to this show a little bit. But I did realize when I was kind of clicking on the link from my profile there in the Putty Peep of the Week, whoops, I completely forgot to fill out my profile on the Putty Tribe site. It's blank. It just says like when I joined and I guess how much I participated and so on. I never meant for that to happen, but of course I completely forgot. So I got to get on that and then fill in maybe some more blanks and things that come to mind. Anyway, that's a little bit more about me. I don't usually feel too comfortable talking a lot about myself, but uh, it's one of those things I'm, I'm trying to feel more confident about. So I appreciate the shout out from Joel and the team. And uh, of course, I love being able to do this show. It's, uh, it's a great thing to look forward to every couple of weeks. Okay, now a couple more for you. We've got Heather Kinsey. She is currently into co-working, coding, public speaking, and all kinds of writing. Heather lives in Burlington, North Carolina. She's also lived in northern and southern Ohio, northern and mid-Indiana, Seattle, Washington, and now in North Carolina. So again, coding for computers, that's her thing. Uh, She talks about, in terms of current learning goals, relearning Spanish HTML, 
as well as working on CSS and JavaScript. She's uh, curious about PR marketing, finishing novel or novels, and helping teach and encourage others. She is a Toastmaster. If any of you listening are into Toastmasters as well, I know it can be a very passionate and involved thing, and I'm sure you can reach out to her and chat some more about that. And I do have a Twitter profile for her. When you're on Twitter, you can search for Heather A. Kinsey, so Heather A-K-I-N-S-E-Y, and you can see what she's up to. So that's Heather, our Putty Peep of the Week for the first week of June. And then last but certainly not least, Colleen McGraw, who is currently into designing your life, jewelry projects, and staying sane. (laughs) She's moved around a bit. She's been in Mystic, Connecticut, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Exeter in the U.K., and now in the Washington, D.C. area. So Colleen talks about being a project manager by day and a budding jewelry slash metal artist at night. Now, this is interesting. We were talking earlier here with Mary about uh, finding variety in what is otherwise kind of um, a stable career profile, I guess, or profession. So for Colleen, she talks about discovering project management and that it was a miracle because she gets bored way too easy in for like a regular job. But with project management, she's been able to change companies and industries, domains, teams, etc. so many times that it stays new. And it's allowed her some marginal level, she says, of professional success and the opportunity to do a lot of public speaking and uh, training. Colleen's been in the Putty Tribe for uh, it's coming up on a year and a half since uh, early 2019. And what's really exciting is that you can find her on Etsy. So if you go to Etsy.com, her store, her profile name is Violet's Baubles. So V-I-O-L-E-T-S-B-A-U-B-L-E-S. Violet's Baubles is the name of her store. It's about vintage treasures and handcrafted accessories. So there's lots of neat things here. I mean, earrings, um, pendants, shoe clips. Faces in Relief Mexican Silver Earrings. There's a Vintage Spiral Rhinestone Brooch Pin. Sterling Silver and Turquoise Cuff Bracelet. And uh, Colleen talks about being a longtime jewelry maker and collector. She's been collecting vintage jewelry pieces for many years. And she's put them together in her Etsy shop. So uh, certainly go check it out, especially if you're interested in jewelry and accessories. Well, that's Colleen McGraw. She is our most recent Putty Peep of the Week. So stay tuned, of course. The next one could be you. (laughs) But meanwhile, you know, if you like what you hear, if you have a story to tell, it was, I mean, again, I I love having conversations like that with Mary, just the chance to speak widely, broadly about a person's background and their life and their journey and the things that they've learned and experienced. And just, you know, you have these conversations and then you just turn 90 degrees. So wait a second, tell me about sailing. Tell me about permaculture. It's great. And if you're, if you want to share your story and help us learn a bit more about you, it's a way to get more connected with people in the group, of course, when they listen and they can reach out and uh, have a bit more background, of course, into who you are. Well, that's what this podcast is for. It's, uh, it's really to help us get to know each other better and have fun, have a great conversation. So reach out to us. You can certainly find me easily on the Putty Tribe on the username FlyTed, or you can write us an email. We have a dedicated email address for this show. It's the Podcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll be in touch. We'll tell you how it works, how to get set up. If you use Zoom already, which you probably do, then it's very easy to uh, record something for this show. So we'll leave it at that for this episode. We hope you're staying healthy. We hope you're staying busy. 
And we certainly appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us here today. So thanks very much. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Take care, everybody. 